Nelson's mayor says local councils and the government need to work out a cost-sharing agreement in order to build resilience when recovering from severe weather events. This after a request for financial assistance to help remediate landslips in Nelson after the August floods was turned down by the government, reports RNZ Samantha Gee. Mayor Nick Smith, he wrote to local government and emergency management minister Kieran McNulty in May seeking $6 million in funding to assist with remediating 18 slips on council land that caused damage to private properties. There was, as you may recall, massive flood damage in Nelson of August last year. And it's a stark reminder of how these climactic events have a very long tail. Nick Smith is Mayor of Nelson. Kia ora, Nick. Kia ora, Wallace. Love you to join the panel. Uh, good to have you on. We had you on some months ago about this, but there's still been no resolution here. It's going to be a long haul for any of our communities around the country that are working through the damage from these storms. Uh, it's going to be at least five or six years of work, and we've opted to spread the cost over 10 years, Wallace. And the the bit where we're further ahead after the massive cyclone Gabriel event is we've now got the geotech reports on all these slides. Now, in a strict legal sense, just to put them back the way they were would cost about $6 million. But when you've got technical experts saying, hey, look, some of these slides are so risky that you should actually buy the property owners out, and we've got a couple of those, and with these other ones, the prudent thing to do is not just put it back the same, but make it safer, build it back better. Now, there's a saving, obviously, for the council and the rate part in doing it better. But, of course, there's a benefit for the government. They're not going to get hit as many with these many EQC claims. Uh, They're not going to have people being displaced in housing. And so that's why I sort of put the proposition, I've been in central government, you don't want to provide absolute freebies to councils because you set up the false incentives. But I said, hey, look, why don't we go 50-50 on the betterment proportion, the bit that we don't have to do legally? And uh, and was a bit disappointed. The government announced, you know, um, $6 billion, uh, in the budget for uh, a national resilience plan. This, to me, just seemed a very small fraction of that, uh, but actually doing the, the hard practical work to make Nelson more resilient. How much has the August storm cost the Nelson Council so far? $70 million, uh, is the is the bill. Wow. Uh, and, and, you know, they are big numbers. Our council's total rates per year are $95 million, to give you a sense of it. Uh, and that's why we've had a bit of a difficult call to make through the annual planning process. Whack that all on the rates in one year, and you're putting the rates up 80%. Can't do that. How many years do you spread it over? Now we've, and there's no magic to it, Wallace. We've decided to spread it over 10 years, make it too short, and it's too much pain on households at a time when they're already facing big cost increases. Spread it too long, and you risk that you've still got a bill, yeah. and the next one comes along and whacks us. Stay there, Nick. Yeah, sorry, let's go around the panel on this, and we'll come back to you. Uh, Alexia, $70 million so far, and that was just in August. 
I know, but Nick, you must know that you're not alone and you must know that having been in government, as you so understate, the government is never going to hand out money to local government if it can help it. In fact, it's in the opposite business, isn't it, really, of pushing costs onto local government. And every time there's a cost-sharing agreement, it is very, very hard fought. I mean, are you going to keep trying or are you going to accept this is just the way it goes? I honestly believe, and I've approached this issue as an inexperienced uh, government minister as well as now a local government mayor, what do I actually think would work? And I am quite cautious, and there are examples where the government gives us 100% of funding. And the risk with that is we don't take enough care to make sure that we're getting the absolute value for money. But when the rate payers in for 50% of the cost, there's a real interest. So no, I actually genuinely think, whether I was sitting in the beehive or sitting in the mural office, that this is a pretty pragmatic way for us as a country to move forward. I actually think that as Auckland and Gisborne and uh, the Coromandel Peninsula work through these issues, that this is actually an approach that would work nationwide. And that's James, why I'm going well, to continue to advocate that was yeah. Just what Nick finished with there. My question was going to be: This is not the only council for which this is an issue, and I would have thought, therefore, your only chance of getting it over the line is that it applies to all councils that have the same issue. Um, but it makes yeah, I, and I, I understand think, the logic I, I of think, it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's quite true. But when the government's announced six billion, look, Nelson's one percent of New Zealand population. We've got a bit over fifty thousand people here. We're a country of five million. So the government's announced this national resilience plan and strategy of six billion. Our share would be sixty million. It's not, we've only had, this is the biggest storm event we had last August that we'd had in 50 years. We do expect an increase in frequency in response to the challenges of climate change, but it's not an unreasonable number. And my worry is that the government announces this big $6 billion figure in the budget, and like mental health in so many areas, it never gets out to the community where it'll make a difference. And, and what I'm wanting to do is try and put a bit of pressure on and say, actually, let's get on and get some of this stuff done. Every day we delay, and I've got 33 property owners affected by these 18 landslides. We've just had another rainfall event today, who sit there nervously trying to cope with these things. Nick, the do you feel... I've got another big public meeting tonight on this very issue in the Tahuna no. area. Yeah. Let me because they had a lot of slips, didn't they, in Tahuna area. Do, do you, be, let's be honest here, Nick. Do you feel a little bit... Um, Hmm. forgotten about uh, in the wake of Cyclone Gabrielle? I do think there's a bit of a contradiction in that when the Prime Minister Chris Hipkins came through Nelson after Cyclone Gabriel, he reassured us, hey, that won't make any difference to the support that we'll provide for Nelson. And then in the letter that came back from the Minister saying, uh, no thank you, actually cited uh, Cyclone Gabriel. So it seemed as a bit of a contradiction. I, I, I actually just want to continue to engage in saying, well, if we're not going to do this, what are you going to do? And how do you treat the really big councils like Auckland or the little ones like Coromandel or the medium-sized ones like Nelson? How do you treat them reasonably fairly? And that's why I think mm. this 50-50 on betterment is a pretty pragmatic, sensible approach. It's interesting that you're saying, I think we've forgotten about. I think everyone in the situation thinks they've been forgotten about. I have a friend in Auckland on the North Shore whose house slid down a bank in Cyclone Gabriel. She can't afford, it is still not fixed. The insurance money still not has come through. The assessment hasn't been done. She's living in a red-stickered house because she can't afford to pay the mortgage on that flat and go and rent somewhere if she could find a place to rent. And she is not alone. And, and, and her story doesn't even rate a mention anywhere. 
um, you know, my husband's a plasterer. He knows so many houses where the bottom 600 mils of their rooms have been stripped of jib board and no one's coming back to fix it because the insurance money's not coming through. And that, you know, yeah. internationally, so my, this I, is a massive problem. Yeah. I totally agree with Alexia. There are actually thousands of people in the situation. The only comfort I would give, and we're a bit further down the track with our event being in August. I've got a high level of confidence about the flood damage being fixed in a reasonably timely way and the bulk of those insurance settlements for those. It's these landslides that, quite frankly, are a bloody nightmare. They're Good really on you, hard. They take a big lot of technical work to do and they are going to take some time, but we can get better at managing it, both local councils and government. Next, Matt. Thanks for being on the programme. Kia ora. That's the Mayor of Nelson, Nick Smith there. Uh, this is going to be, I mean, as you're rightfully saying, both of you actually, you, you reiterated that point. It's not just Nelson, but isn't it a reminder, James and Alexia, of the long tail of climate change? That it doesn't go away, the event might hit, and the media might be all on it for the weekend, or three days, there'll be a detailed podcast about it, (laughs) and then a year later, people are still suffering, eh? Yeah, I mean, the west coast of Auckland's barely opened up, barely just opening their gates, you know, and it's they're still messes. And like I say, all around Auckland, you know, we, we're getting, it's June now. This happened on anniversary day in January. We're still getting updates from the insurance company. Oh, we've settled this amount. And, you know, it's not fast enough. They're not rolling it out fast enough. And, you know, people are now starting to live like this, accepting that their house will be drafty all winter mm. because they haven't got any jibboard on their walls. Very good. Now, uh, by the way, I must um, uh, mention this, uh, James, and you, I've been thinking earlier. And by the way, if you missed the first part of the show, go to iHeart, to Apple, to Spotify. The panel is always there for you if you've missed it. <laughs> Got to keep saying that. It's just uh, under the details. <laughs> can you can you stop some detail, please, on the show? Thank you. Um, you 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 mentioned. Does anybody still have a cortege in a funeral procession? And quite a response, interestingly, came through. Uh, Marianne says, I was involved in a slow-moving cortege in Whanganui last year from the funeral home in Guyton Street to the uh, Aramoho Cemetery. Oncoming traffic stopped in respect. Another one here, uh, Tom says, regarding the cortege, it was usual for all other traffic in both directions to pull over and respectfully allow the cortege to pass. Cortege car lights would be on dip. On dip. That's not happening in Auckland that? anymore, is it? No, no it's not happening. Doesn't in happen anymore. No. But no. then I think a lot of people don't go to the, to, you know, they go to the funeral and then they don't go to the next part of it, the burial or the cre- cremation. Alexi Russell, James Elliott joining me this afternoon. Now, some motorists are claiming our state highways are in the worst state they've ever been in as potholes continue to run rampant on our roads. Waka Kotahim tended to more than. 211,000 potholes over the past five years, but it seems barely scratched the surface. National Transport Spokesman Simeon Brown blames Labour, saying they've wasted the last six years focusing on phantom projects rather than investing in the maintenance. For a more on-the-ground perspective, we are joined by Scopro Engineering Managing Director Eric King. Hi, Eric. Hi. Hi. Good to have you here, Eric. So you're based in Rotorua. What has your experience been with potholes in the area? Oh, we've been absolutely flat out. It's getting. It's, it's, I mean, I, I've got. I did eight today, eight wheels. 
uh, and they, they keep on coming. These are wheels that, are, that have hit a pothole, but not necessarily the wheels that will be coming through later on when people have hit a, a small pothole, got a bit of a flat spot on their wheel, then they go to go and get a warrant. And then, then they, the warrant people refuse them a warrant because their wheels are up to... Some of, some of the places are rejecting wheels that are three millimetres out of round. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not believe the car electronics can detect the difference between a wheel that is three millimetres out of round and a bloody road which is 12 millimetres out of lumpy. <laughs> You're in shock, Eric. You've done eight, you've done eight potholes just today. Uh, eight wheels today, yes. And there's still more coming in. Yeah, I, 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 in my life, I have done it. I've worked it out approximately 25,000 wheels. Last month alone, I did, I did $15,500 worth of wheel repairs. Eric, the panel, <laughs> the panel here, they're, they're, I'm watching them, they're watching me. They're in absolute shock. <laughs> this is the content I came on to hear. This well, is it's a real complex thing because I'm actually reading the thing in England that they're actually they've got the same problems in a lot of their roads, and they're looking at putting a tax on uh, a pothole tax on these electric vehicles because they're heavier, and they reckon that's what's doing it. I don't personally believe that because it's a whole combination of things. You've got the weather, and you've got the higher speeds, and then you've also got the trucks that are much allow how it. Um, uh, heavier loads on them there's all manner of things the other things is of course is that people choose to use, buy low profile tyres and they're harder riding anyway and uh, yeah so yeah the, uh, yeah, um, Eric the let's bring in Alex why are you doing a podcast on this this is <laughs> we're in shock here Eric, Eric's done eight potholes today Actually, that, 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 I mean sorry eight good, wheels um, today yeah, yeah, that's just the ones that came came in today, and I've still got some out there waiting to be done. Oh. Eric, do you travel much around oh, Rotorua and and further? Do you I, know I, where the worst bits are of road? No, I I get them from Tauranga. I'm getting them from Tauranga now, Tipuki, uh, and uh, the odd one from Wakatani. That's as I say, I'm, I, I spe- virtually specialise in doing them because they they're, they're quite. They're all different. They, you, uh, no two wheels are the same unless they are the, ex- the, the same, as it were. You, 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 cannot, you cannot judge whether a wheel is going to uh, uh, survive an impact with a pothole just on the type of cars. I've had high-end uh, cars that are coming with cracked wheels that have hit potholes. And then I had a, a wheel off a little Chinese cherry that were bought in the year 2010, 2012, well, that wheel would be would have to be one of the strongest little wheels I've ever come across in my life. <laughs> you wouldn't want these potholes fixed, would you? Sorry? Your business would be gone. <laughs> you, you know, you'd, you'd be encouraging that weather and those heavy trucks and the creation of potholes to keep your business yeah. going. Oh, oh, there's no doubt about it. The heavy trucks do because you you can see at the stop at, at the. Uh, Lights where the where the trucks are braking and and that and the, the road gets waves in it because of the horrific wow. loading on it. Gosh, yeah. The uh, but yeah, the uh, it, there's a whole combination of things. But a lot of people can prevent themselves being uh, subjected to uh, getting a pothole wheel if they cho- 
decide to keep a decent distance from the vehicle in front. That's the first thing. Well, but Eric, I can I just say to you, mate, um, someone says here, Eric the expert, love it. We're going to make you a resident pothole expert because... <laughs> y- y- <laughs> well, I, I, I've got to say that I do think, do think that the people that are actually repairing the potholes leave an awful lot to be desired. Um, I have never seen them using a compactor after they when they filled in a pothole. You have to put, for God's sake, you have to use a compactor to compact the fill that you're putting in a pothole. Otherwise, it's going to just blow away again. So what are your other hints for avoiding potholes, Eric? Because I like the keep a safe distance one. That's common sense, isn't it? What yeah. else? It, it only helps. You won't, you, won't avoid, you won't avoid them. I had an English gentleman that had a, a, a Range Rover and he cracked his brand new wheel, but completely on both sides. But he couldn't even see over the bonnet. It's such <laughs> <laughs> That's a rich Eric, Eric, we're gonna get back we're gonna get you back again. They want Eric part two. So we'll <laughs> we'll keep your number and um you've got a couple more potholes through this evening, is that right? Sorry, no, not no potholes. Yeah. All right, that's, that's Eric King there, Scott. Scopra yep. Engineering Managing Director there. He's done eight uh, wheels affected by potholes just today. I've got a pothole near near us on West Tamaki Road in Glen Innes, and that pothole has been repaired three or four times in the last, I'm going to say, six to eight yeah. weeks. So It's the weather, though, isn't it? But they I constantly mean, so need wet. repairing. Yeah, they can't but, seem to get it right. It's probably mixed or defenses, it isn't it? doesn't stop raining. The other thing, I need, I need Eric's the number. other thing is uh, the other is the is the type of mix they use as well, the type of gradient, the type of asphalt, as well. It's eight away from five. The panel now, Tauranga City Council. Final story here is planning to refurbish or rebuild parts of its memorial park. And while that sounds great for the park, one community favourite is under threat, and that is Tauranga Mini Golf and Jeeps. This popular mini golf has been there since 1983, and the people of Tauranga, they've come together to tell the council how much it means to them. And this really appealed to me because I am the biggest mini golf fan. And whenever I go to a new city, Mini golf first. So with us is Tauranga Mini Golf and Jeep's owner, Mike Head. Welcome, Mike. G'day. Good to have you on. How under threat is your mini golf course? Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty much a done deal. The, the council has confirmed that there will be a new swimming pool complex built and it will be built exactly where my, where my mini golf course is. So it's, it's just a matter of time of when that happens now. Originally, in the original plans, the bulldozers were going to come in at the end of this year, but council has admitted it's probably going to be the middle of next year uh, before it starts. I hope that it's actually even a little bit further away than that because it'll probably take me 12 months to build a new one. Oh, goodness, James. Well, I'm a huge mini-golf fan, and I think it's critical community infrastructure. Every golfer knows that there will come a point when their broken bodies are only able to play mini-golf. And it needs yes. to be kept for the community. You can take that putter out of my cold, dead hand. It must be retained. You hear that, Mike? Critical, critical community infrastructure. There must yep. be a lot to it, though, Mike. Like, you must have to work out exactly, you know, exact angles and degrees and, you know, what's impossible and what's too easy. Uh, absolutely. There is, there's a heck of a lot in the design of a new one, but I'm hoping that I might actually be able to get somebody to uh, give me a bit of a hand, one of the professionals. I've got a couple of good contacts uh, for one, one is, I know, the, the grandparents of um, 
Oh, God, his name's just, just gone past me. The, the young fellow, uh, um, the, the, the New Zealand golfer, the young guys. Daniel Hillier? was a famous rugby player. Oh, right. Ryan, Ryan Fox. Ryan Fox. Ryan Fox. Yeah. Ryan Fox. Yeah. yeah. You can see I'm getting to that age as well, mate. We're winning golf. And my son has a contact with Lydia Ko, so I'm hoping Ooh, one of them will good. give us a bit of a hand. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different. The traditional mini golf has been a flat piece of concrete with bricks around the side. We're actually going to build a mini golf course. In other words, it'll actually look exactly like the real McCoy, but, of oh. course, it'll all be done with, uh, be done with turf. So it'll, ha- it'll have contours and, and soft lines and fringes. It won't be hard corners and bouncing around. So it'll be on for young and old. Our customers range from 3 to 93. and We, we put 25,000, 30,000 people a year through there, and it's been going on for 40 years. We've got a campaign running, and it says, have your say. It's been running for two weeks, and we've literally had thousands and thousands of people go, please, 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 build a new one. Please, we have to have a mini-golf. Now, the council isn't opposed to uh, me building a new one. They just simply said, we, the rules are, we're not a let, we're not, we, can't, we can't allocate you new space to build one unless the, we find out that the community wants one. Well, there's a resounding, yes, we want one. Thousands of yeses, and I think we've had three no's. You're passionate, Mike. He's passionate, Alexia. Uh, you, you can't not have a really good oh, I can't mini you can't well, well, they've all disappeared from the North Shore, I noticed. Have well, there they? used to be three, and yeah. now I don't think there was one. Best one I've ever played, National Park. Really? Amazing. Outside the pub there on the main road. Mike? We have people all over the country coming to ours. The New Zealand uh, Mini Golf Federation have an annual tournament there. The New Zealand Big Golf uh, Federation uh, have their Far Now Day, have a Far Now Day there every year to promote it amongst young people. And it's just it's, it's the one it's one of the few sports where whether you're three or ninety three you That's can actually fantastic. Yeah. And Mike, do you keep do the you, kids off their devices? Do you think that mini golf should be an Olympic sport? I think it is. Oh, but is it not? <laughs> I think it actually might be. <laughs> it definitely should be. Three generations, three generations of one family can play a sport together. There aren't many sports it's just like fantastic. that. Yeah. And it's just so. It's, it's, it's clean, it's safe, it's outdoors, and it's fun. I mean, it's just like, it's just such a neat business to be involved with because you, you hear these people, you know, you hear, oh, and screaming and yelling around the course with people, you know, somebody gets a hole in one or they, you know, just beat somebody else on a hole. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a beautiful environment. Do you have the, um, do you have the, love it. do you have the traditional 18th hole where you get the hole in one gives you a free round? Yep, and we you also do. have a we also have a, a, a free ice cream on the on the first oh, oh. The first. I was sponsored by Streets Ice Cream. There you go, Streets. You had free to, advertising for you. You had to get that in, didn't you, Mike? Free ice cream at the end. Lovely yeah. to have you on. Keep up the mini golf dream. It'll uh, it'll become a reality. The new golf club. Good on you. That's Mike head there. Uh, there's nothing like a game of mini golf. Either. What is it, Lex? What is it about mini golf that's so annoying? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like winning too much to play mini golf. There's one in Rotorua that's got bunny rabbits jumping all over the course. Yes, it does. It yeah. does. I've been to that one. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Liz yeah. says if you love mini golf, you should go to Carlucci Land in Wellington. It's made out of a junk metal. It is amazing. Good. All right. Good Wonderful know. panel. Thank you, James Elliott, Alexia Russell. Wonderful. Thank you to uh, Sam Hollis, my producer. I'm Wallace Chip, and I am back tomorrow at 3.45. Stay with us. Checkpoint with Lisa Owen. Next.